Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. Today we're going to be talking about the 2008 film Hunger. This will contain spoilers. So this uh, film, Hunger 2008, I mean, it doesn't have 2008 in the title. I don't know why I just said 2008, but uh, it it's like an exploration of the life of the IRA prisoners in 1981 and the events leading up to and including the uh, hunger strike led by Bobby Sands. Uh, so it kind of... I saw someone that broke it down into three parts, which is like the first one is just uh, <clears throat> like an introduction to the prison system. So you meet the like prison officer um, and you also see someone get incarcerated in that whole process. Uh, and then just kind of like their lives with the no wash and blanket protest. Then it moves into a section which is like a 25 minute well, the section, the scene's 25 minutes long, but in that 25 minutes, there's a 17-minute uh, unbroken long shot of uh, Bobby Sands and a priest, like, discussing doing the hunger strike and Bobby saying why he's going to do it, and the priest trying to tell him to not do it. And then after that is the hunger strike and the eventual death of Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Sands. So that's the structure that the film follows. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It is indeed correct. Ben watched it the most recently, so he's got it most fresh in his mind. Oh, yes. Always last to the party as usual. <laughs> um, yeah. So the way that this does film does storytelling is that there's very little dialogue apart from that middle section uh, mm. with the... Is it Father Dominic, I think he's called? Yeah. Uh, Bobby. Cool. Um, and the rest of it is, it's a very, like, visual film, which, for some of the visuals it shows, may not be very appealing for some people. But, you know, they make some very nice swirls out of their feces on the wall. Don't you think? Very artistic, Did you like I'd a say. spiral? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think it tries to show like an it's a fairly balanced take on the troubles or like the sides it just kind of shows you how things were yeah um, so you know obviously some awful things happen to the prisoners like there's the there's literally a section which I think is known as the brutality scene <laughs> where they got riot police to come in and then they just shove prisoners through have the right police beat them on the floor and then they just check up their rectum and uh, mouths and there's also like a scene where bobby sands is forcefully cut and washed oh, his hair's cut and he's washed 
Uh, and yeah. that's where you find out why the prison officer at the start has the bloody knuckles. Because he's hit him. Yeah, but, I mean, he's like a bit regretful about the whole process and obvious discrimination against the Catholics. But then, because there's that scene when you were mentioning with the riot police, is that really beautiful cinematography where on one side you see one of the officers like in tears and then the other side there's like a animalistic treatment of the prisoners. Yeah, uh, and that that is quite important because the same officer like at the start was one that had started roaring when they were beating their shields. Yeah. So I think what that was trying to show is that like you, you, although you can have like good people in these kind of like foot, you know, like in the police force at the time or uh, the prison guards, it was the system was still like bad. It was quite corrupt and obviously just. Uh, ben, you can't post that in the. <laughs> you can't post that in the middle of me talking about police brutality. Come on. Ben just put in the chat, Michael, the last fast bender. You put joking as well. <laughs> so, yeah, going back, uh, I think it's so that you can have good people, but in it's the system is corrupt and kind of drives these officers to, like, look down on the prisoners. I mean, the way they've seen them is that some naked man has been thrust into a corridor and you know that you can't really empathize with someone that's just being beaten yeah yeah so that that was a uh, quite a good yeah that that was a good shot but i there mean are many good shots there are um but what the one of the main themes that explores is like they perceive themselves as like political prisoners but uh in the way that they're treated, um, they're treated like just terror terrorists, just as normal criminals, and that it's not really concerned with their motives, whether it's against like a corrupt uh, legislation or whatever. So that was definitely something that was quite prominent during the troubles with like the Diplock courts and stuff. Yeah, and uh, and obviously you get like. Uh, you hear a few speeches by Thatcher throughout the film, and that reinforces that idea that they are just criminals. Doesn't matter that they've got like genuine political aims. Yeah, I think it it, uh, it does show like quite well why they are like you know part of the IRA or despise uh, the British because Thatcher did kind of like speak really low down on them they're treated very badly by the prison system because obviously you have to remember that there were a lot of events that were quite uh, bad in the troubles which drove people to terrorism although terrorism obviously wasn't the right thing to do so there was like the bloody sunday where the police just shot unarmed civilians without a trial um that's like you know one of the worst things that happened in the troubles uh but then the pe people in like the ira and these paramilitary terrorist organizations also did awful things so halfway through the film you see the prison officer where he's going to visit his sick mother someone just comes in and shoots him yeah i found so that definitely that scene stuck out because it just seemed to be like it seemed like it was 
had a bit of a different tone, but then straight away, someone just comes in and shoots and disrupts everything. Mm. Especially the the scene really stood out to me, given the fact that the prison officer was the first person you saw in the film. Um, the opening shots were him, you know, getting up and going to work, and uh, the fact that. Well, to to begin with, you kind of assumed he'd be like either the main character or a significant character. So when he just gets completely shot, you kind of have to reevaluate who, what what what's going on here. And I think it was sort of from that point on that the story really became about Bobby Sands and uh, his hunger protests. Yeah, yeah. Something so that I didn't particularly like about that was. Um... The fact that earlier on in the film you sort of saw a universal suffering and humiliation by all of the prisoners, and then there's obviously the scene with Bobby and the priest where he's planning out the hunger strike, and he mentions, I think he said they've got something like 75 people signed up to it. And mm. uh, how many actually died in it? Was it about another They said nine? it further nine, I think. Yeah. So that, mm. that is quite a lot. But they didn't really. I felt that they didn't really show that at all. Like it just looked like he was the only one suffering, which I, I kind of get. The the priest was sort of confronting him, saying, "Is is this suicide?" And he was arguing that no, it's murder because of the corruption of this system. But I felt it would have been quite nice to sort of see some of the other prisoners experiencing the hunger strike because I felt the second half of the film was very much focused on him. Yeah, it yeah. did seem very isolated. There were 13 others that started uh, refusing food, but they were taken off the hunger strike because of either medical re- uh, reasons or their families basically stopped them. So cause, because you were told like it was two weeks between each one starting, uh, that's why I assumed at first that from him starting the strike to death, it was about two weeks. So when it said 66 days... I was uh, quite surprised because one, I didn't think you could last that long without food, but that is how long it was, so uh, that's obviously true. And two, because we just hadn't seen anyone else start a hunger strike, it seemed very much like his prison cell had been made into a hospital bed. Yeah. Uh, so they were just coming to visit him. Because that last section, it seemed to rush over a bit, but at the same time, I wouldn't really. It was already painful enough. I wouldn't have really wanted to see it that much longer. Like yeah. The actual hunger strike itself. Yeah. I think it's just because I went in thinking the whole film was like the hunger strike. Yeah. So I, for I felt that the hunger strike section was actually quite short. I mean, it is called hunger, so it's not really unfair to think it would be about the hunger strike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it was about famine, but <laughs> I just didn't know what it was about. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew it was about a hunger strike. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised that it took quite a long time. But it was interesting because when it said no wash and blanket strike, like it took me quite a while to realise that blanket strike meant that's why they were only wearing a blanket. I thought that yeah. was just the treatment of them. I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then smearing the wall in feces. At first I thought that his cellmate was insane, but no, that's also part of the no wash strike. Um, yeah. And... Oh, it it does have like quite a lot of. It's like disgusting imagery, but I, uh, it can be seen as like 
finding beauty in the horror of stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so, like, making the kind of spiral out of uh, his own feces. It's like making art out of, I don't know, poo. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, like, obviously, like, the Hunger Strike bit is quite awful to watch. But it, it is kind of, like, beautiful in a way. It's obviously supposed to be showing his martyrdom and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you could say some of, like, the especially visceral bits um, and, like, the terrible conditions are almost self-inflicted. But yeah. I guess that's, like, the protest and they're, like, acting as the catalyst. It's really the conditions within the prison in the first place or just wide, in, like, wider government and island that have caused that. Yeah. I think, is it just political status? Uh, does it decrease your sentences a bit or is it just you treat it differently? I, think I don't actually just, know. I think it's just you treat that it much differently. Right. Um, yeah. Because obviously they wanted civilian clothes. Yeah. I suppose another and, part of it would have been the fact that um, these people are in there because of how they believe in their cause and they've taken it like to the extreme but because they really do believe in it and um just being treated as a common criminal kind of devalues what they view as their own sacrifice um yeah i suppose it's just like you you did this thing uh for a cause and you're just being punished with no recognition to the cause really yeah that's what like the conservative government's just especially trying to do in like reducing them being exempt from like the regular life of prisoners and just treating them like they're regular prisoners and criminals. Mm. Yeah. Um. They did event. They got like the concessions they wanted, but were never actually formally called political prisoners. It said that at the end, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read it afterwards too. So, um, there's a kind of debate about whether it actually worked. So, like, they got some concessions but weren't regarded as political prisoners, and obviously, in the end, Ireland wasn't united, whether you agree with that or not. I, I don't know enough to even begin to talk about that. So, you, I guess one of the questions is, like, was the hunger strike worth it? Yes. Yeah. Like ten people died, and that—that's the main conflict of that uh, discussion with the priest, really. Which is why that is such a good scene. Which apparently uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, I think it's Liam Cunningham. I know it's Davos Seaworth, but <laughs> uh, I think it's Liam Cunningham is his name. But they practice that about like twelve to fifteen times a day. Uh, yeah, it's Liam Cunningham in their in a, their room. And then they managed to do it in four takes on the actual day. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, he's like saying that in the original Hunger Strike they did, they didn't really have the long-term goal of starving themselves to death. And then he's saying like, what is the point in it? It's going to be futile if after you die you don't leave an impact. And even if you do, I mean, it, I read a little bit about like the long-term reputation of him and how like different groups perceived him. Yeah, uh, and like obviously some sort of 
saw him as a hero, but then others said it was kind of pointless, the effort he put in. Yeah, and <clears throat> you could, like his uh, hunger strike did cause other people to die, so he, uh, when he says it's murder, like you, you could also see as it's him that drove them to do it, so could he have responsibility for their deaths, uh, which is obviously what the priest was going for. You know, and, and then he says, well, it wouldn't matter anyway because you'd be dead first. Yeah. Mm. And I think part of it was just trying to show that because uh, Bobby Sands, he was in prison and couldn't really do much else for, a, uh, you know, what he believed in, he felt there wasn't really much point in living. I think that is uh, one of the things it was going for, like... If you take away uh, all of someone's like, ideals and their chance to do anything for them, then they don't really see much point in living, which his main reason was his son. But we never really see him because was it actually him that he like hallucinates at the end of his bed or was it a younger him? Because I swear it was the exact same person that was in his like, yeah. I think So it's weird that he doesn't really think about his son. I don't know what... Yeah. Because I think was that like meant to be the story was saying about how they found the the uh, dying horse. And yeah, that that's what the they were blamed. Is that what it's meant to be at the end? That's yeah. what I thought it was. Um, I can't because I mean, you could see that it was him that he was putting out of his misery. Yeah, I assume because that. What's interesting is that scene wasn't originally going to be in the film. Steve McQueen originally envisioned it as a dialogue-free film. Uh, I mean, there are some pieces of dialogue in the other scenes, but that's how he thought originally. But then, um, oh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Someone persuaded him into getting some kind of... Uh, I think it was to make the plot more clear, and that's what became that that middle scene. Yeah. Uh, and Steve McQueen, I've, I've not actually seen any of the other films. I know that 12 Years a Slave is like really famous and it's supposed to be very good. But uh, I've just never watched it. And I think it, I will definitely look into it after this. Because at first when I saw the name Steve McQueen, like I think I knew that there was also the like the director Steve McQueen but I just thought of like 60s great escape and bullet actor Steve McQueen so I got confused because I was like why would he ever make this film but uh it, yeah it makes it makes sense you definitely have to uh, be in the right frame of mind to watch a film like this though yeah mm. so it has really similar vibes to Requiem for a Dream which I think I've recommended on the podcast before where that is like also a constant building climax towards an inevitable end and that's that's even more like quite disgusting to watch um yeah. and very visual although there's a lot more dialogue in that so that yeah i've kind of seen this before but i think it was it seemed very unique to go with like a really visual style and it's what made it feel more real yeah just yeah. seeing all these like shots, I, 
One thing I will say is that the three-minute uh, shot of that cleaner, like, brushing up urine was a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, a bit reminiscent of the the tunnel scene in uh, Stalker. Stalker, it's, it's a, yeah. It's a cool yeah. concept and uh, very visually... Uh, not stunning, but uh, memorable. But uh, it just went on for a bit too long, and that's yeah. at one point two five times speed. Some... <laughs> I know some people really liked that, but yeah, that that was a bit much for me. And I can see why some people say that it's too pretentious and boring. But I I don't think I'd ever call it boring. No, no I think it, even though there's not a real plot, it's just. It's quite, I don't know, it was like watching a Louis Theroux documentary or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not boring. I mean, for a start, it's quite a short film. And yeah, obviously, like, that, the really long scenes, like the the discussion between him and the priest, which we talked about, that uh, is so engrossing. It didn't seem like it last. It seemed like it only lasted maybe about five minutes, which is obviously still a long time. But um, it's almost I don't know. It's just it seems too serious and political to ever be boring. Yeah, and obviously because it's like based on real events. Yeah, mm. and this is this is actually Stephen Queen's like first feature film so he's he's done a lot of I think he's known to be quite like arty so he's done a lot of arty like short films um so it makes sense that he do like a like this visual style and uh everything and I think it really pays off to have a kind of more unique director doing this because you could it could easily be like another history biopic and it's like just boring yeah, but no, I I think it he handled it really well, um, which is why I want to see more stuff by him. I, I think he's he's not actually done that many feature films, but the ones he have done, I suppose, really good. I think it's only four actually. Uh, yeah, he did Hunger, Shame, Twelve Years a Slave, and uh, Widows. Uh, so. I'm definitely going to look into more by him. Yeah. What else is there to talk about? Let me think. Um, um what I think this it wouldn't have worked without like the editing like to put it together like the, obviously you have to be able to editing is also about it like creates the pacing and the ordering and for everything. And yeah. it's all very deliberate, like which shots are in. Uh, you know, when something is one shot, it's left there. Uh, so I think it's almost like minimal editing, but it's really effective in what it does. Because there's the bit at the end where you see him as a child, that it kind of like flashes between uh, yeah. him as a child and then him now, and like how desperate he is, and then his parents coming to visit and stuff. Yeah, uh, and well, also the montage of of the hunger strike that was yeah. good of the all the plates of food coming in and then oh he'd never ate any of them but you could see the 
water jug kind of fluctuating. So he was uh, he was drinking, which is how he managed to survive sixty six days. Um, yeah. So that was really good, and it, it helped that Michael Fassbender did actually go on like uh, it was medically controlled diet to get him really skinny. <laughs> and when when I saw him, I was like, oh, he looks like he's actually dead. Like you yeah. could see like his cheekbones sticking out, and he'd gone grey. I was like, oh. Hope he's all right. <laughs> what did you think of the use of music in this? Because it was quite minimal. Yeah, I was going to say there's barely any music, and I think that works. Like, um, I can't actually think of any instances of music. There's a lot of silence. Yeah, I was. And about then, to say yeah, any cacophonous noise is caused by people. Yeah, the use of a sound in the film was really interesting because not only did it. Um, because obviously most of it wasn't filled with dialogue. The majority of the dialogue was in the 17-minute single shot between Bobby and the priest. Um, But especially, I noticed it mainly in the... around the the riot police scene, um, where it would just completely go from one extreme to the other. It would be a very loud uh and it's visual as well loud uh busy scene to something just completely calm and silent um and then also towards the start of the film um a lot of the the shots around the prison guard uh they were all silent in terms of dialogue but they weren't silent in terms of background noise so it was it was just nice to have you know the the scene when he's uh, smoking and it's snowing outside. It would just like yeah. cut from absolute silence in, indoors to just the uh, the sound of the the snow and the wind, and then cut back. Which I don't know. It kind of emphasizes the fact there's no dialogue a bit more because you're obviously trying to listen to some more of what's going on in the background. Uh, I just found that mm. very effective the way it was. Uh, it used it used silence effectively, but didn't necessarily use a lack of noise. If that makes sense. Yeah, and the way it kind of and, opposed, uh, I think yeah. you you can do like silence in a bad way, where it would have been helped with music, but. Yeah, I think they did it well. I think there was probably music over the montage, but I actually can't remember. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it didn't feel like I never ever I never felt like why isn't there any music? This is a bit weird. Yeah, because yeah, it felt like it, you were there, especially in the in the really long shot scenes, and then yeah, I quite liked how the juxtaposition between. Obviously, the really extended scene with the priest and Bobby, but then after that, it's quite a close-up shot, like underneath where he's smoking. Yeah. Quite a nice contrast, but obviously they were quite. They were both. Well, that, I think that's when he's actually telling that story. Maybe. Uh yeah, I saw that. It. I saw that bit as when, like, there was no way he was going to budge on the idea of a hunger strike. Like that was it. Yeah. So it had gone from the two of them talking about it, and then towards the end, it was you could only see him, and it, so he, like 
that, that was where I was like, oh, so his side's obviously won. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a very effective like shot, and it just reminded me that shots of things can be like really deliberate in what they show, and yeah. uh, specifically don't show. Uh, and it's yeah, and it reminded me that Stephen Queen obviously is like a visual director and has this history and more like artistic stuff. Indeed. <laughs> Have we, we've not really talked about the performances, actually. Oh, yes. No. Um, Probably because I couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> okay, so the, yeah, they they do all speak in quite a heavy Northern Irish dialect, so I had to concentrate quite hard, but I understood most of it. Luckily, um, definitely the middle scene, that was fine, but like yeah. when there were some murmurings early on I remember that was I did struggle to understand at first so I had to start concentrating I know Ollie had the subtitles on and so did Ben but Ben is uh, half Northern Irish so he's fine <laughs> yeah I have the subtitles on for everything to be fair yeah I heard it for about two minutes and I was just like no <laughs> the subtitles are very helpful when it gets to parts like um, square brackets heavy breathing <laughs> I definitely needed that translated for me. Yeah. I just feel sometimes with subtitles, even though I could understand, like, not particularly in this film, but just in general, when I can understand what they're saying, but I find myself reading the subtitles rather than actually looking at, like, the cinematography or the actual shots themselves. Yeah, that's I why I never have them on, usually. To be yeah. fair, I actually find it I the could... opposite. I find it... Like, I need to pay less attention to what they're saying because it's there. I can give more attention to the cinematography, which seems kind of counterintuitive if you're looking at the bottom of the screen, but somehow it works. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. If only I could know all languages and then <laughs> I'd never have to watch a film with subtitles. That would be a big win. If only you knew the language of Northern Irish. <laughs> I think there was actually in the visiting scene with like the guy that we first see get imprisoned when he's talking to oh, his partner. I hate I it. Think I, they were like really quiet, so I don't think I actually understood anything they said. Yeah, there were parts yeah. that were talking Okay, they're like... passing notes. I get it. Cool. <laughs> I hate it when the Netflix subtitles... It's, they seem to be worse than lots of other ones um, on like DVDs or whatever. But it's, it's just like speaking in Gaelic. Yeah, but I'd like to know what they're saying in Gaelic. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Could it, it not just put like brackets times. in Gaelic and then what they're saying translated? <laughs> yeah, it always stresses me out. It stresses me out that there's like different, uh, especially for foreign stuff, there's like different subtitles with different translations because uh, I heard for like. I can't remember what it was, but I remember one thing I watched. Some people said that like Netflix's translation ruins this subplot or something. It, like you <laughs> never catch the subplot because of the translation. And ever since I heard that, I was I'm so stressed that anything I watch with subtitles is gonna ruin it. Yeah. But obviously, I'm not gonna listen to the dubs though. No. But... Dubs are something just about a... cringy. 
It just <laughs> we sits wrong learned an interesting fact last week, speaking of subtitles, uh, about Did we? what Portuguese, what the Portuguese for cheeseburger is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Ex. Just ex ex burger. Yeah. Speaking of Portuguese, we seem to have, according to our analytics, a lot of Portuguese. I'm not going to say fans, but listeners, because one of our top <laughs> searches that drives us to our videos is essentially Kangaroo Jack Portuguese subtitles. And then it's like mile 22 <laughs> really? Portuguese subtitles. I'll put a screenshot Why? on later. It's That's weird. interesting. It, yeah. I don't know why Portuguese rather than, I don't know, even Spanish. You'd, because there are a lot more Spanish speakers. We just got a really niche market for the Kangaroo Jack Portuguese fans. <laughs> tangent about subtitles there. Um, it, yeah. It's not quite that good by our standards. We need to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Speaking of which, That's Tom, have you watched back. The Clone Wars? I've seen the first two seasons. Right, watch The Clone Wars. Can't believe <laughs> you're just ignoring what I'm saying. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just I'll make get sure over to watch yourself. The Clone Wars. Thank you. It would be much okay. appreciated. It's a hunger. <laughs> I'm gonna. No, go definitely. Are you gonna go to hunger strike until I watch The Clone Wars? Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah, if I, I die. Feel like this... It's not suicide. <laughs> I definitely feel this film isn't for everyone, and you have to sort of stick with it. But yeah, it's very emotionally charged, and it does have some really cool moments, especially with, like the cinematography. I thought that was really a standout point of it. Yeah, I, it, everything is so deliberate, like we've said, and like there's so many shots I'm going to remember of like that slow pan around the first time you see a cell covered in feces, and then it goes down into the corner where there's like a pile of food writhing with maggots. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, and then you, you like, see... see his reaction, and he's like, "Is this the right choice?" But <laughs> yeah, did I do uh, the right thing? And I remember them making the dams to uh, get the best urine uh, projection. Mm. I wonder what the best angle is to get it the furthest. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I didn't notice that it was feces they were putting on the wall to begin with. I thought it was just like mashed up food. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, technically, I thought it, it is, could be like... at first, but then I was like, I think I was just in denial. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, by no means a fun film. It's not something you'd watch for. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, just... guys, I couldn't get a ticket. I couldn't get tickets for Endgame, so I got. <laughs> <laughs> thought we'd watch this instead. <laughs> It's all right. We'll just um, we'll just get out some drinks, have a good time, and then <laughs> immediately go. No, into... it's not. But I think it is. It is really good. I like. It's made me, you know, realize the weight of the troubles more, and also, it just is great filmmaking. I definitely want to look at more Steve McQueen stuff. Yeah, and there's yeah. probably loads of stuff that we just maybe don't know enough about the f film to talk about or the strikes, but like it's just I don't know. It's just the way it presents everything in what feels like an honest way. Like it just shows that 
when they get their civilian clothes, like it looks like clown costumes or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. A very good debut. <laughs> it is a good debut. I thought you were talking about the clothes being <laughs> 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 good debut of civilian clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, yeah, the main criticisms of it are going to be like, if people think it's not harsh enough on one side or the other, or if people think it's too pretentious and too grim. And But I quite liked the whole style of it being like really grim. Yeah, it was like, much more realistic <laughs> one of the, than idealistic. Yeah, one of the Metascore reviews I saw was like, <laughs> uh, oh, here it is. Uh, it's like trite, grim, and provocative. I'm like, yeah, that's what makes it good. <laughs> but they gave it a 50 out of 100. Rip. Um. <laughs> but this is... You two need to definitely watch Requiem for a Dream if you like this. Just saying. Just once, though. Just yeah. once. You won't want to watch it again. Is that about drugs? Uh, it's kind of more broad and it's just addiction. I think you recommended it, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. There you go. If you want Shall to give... see more of our recommendations, you can go to entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com and sign up for our mailing list and we'll send yeah. you the recommendations master list with all of our <sighs> recommendations we've ever done. That's probably outdated by now. That's crazy. <laughs> it is a bit. Yeah. Uh, should we give ratings, or is there anything more you want to talk about? No, not really. I can't do much. Yeah. Groovy. Well, um, if you want to follow along with us doing our ratings, you can go to entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com, and we've got uh, <laughs> a <laughs> page with all of our recommendations, all of our episodes in order so yeah I liked it the fact so. the fact that he, I wouldn't watch it again brings it down a little but that doesn't take away from the fact it is a really good film um yeah like Stalker is really near the top especially for me but I don't know if that's necessarily something I'd be quick to be re-watching yeah. Hmm. Maybe for different reasons, though. I think, no pun intended, I'm going to compare it a bit to The Irishman. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's a joke. Um, purely because... I don't know. I, I rated The Irishman quite low, actually. It's, yeah. Ollie gave it a 7.8, you gave it a 7.6. Hmm. Well, I enjoyed this more than The Irishman, so that messes things up slightly. I'm going to go... Hmm. I'll give... Upgrade. 7.7. I think I'll go a 7.5. Because I enjoyed it. Cool. It was really good filmmaking. Um, I just uh, first of all I wouldn't watch it again, and second of all, there's uh, there's just it's just a little rough around the edges in some parts. So, like for example, the 
this the urine cleaning scene that goes on a bit too long and um just a couple of nitpicks like that which could bring it down a little bit and also i just didn't think it was like great in like the same level as say i'm thinking of ending things or being john malkovich do we just really like charlie kaufman <laughs> he's a lad we need to do another one of his films yeah we'll get it to number one yeah yeah 7.5 I'll stop talking I want to hear Ollie's next oh I was going to listen to yours and then give it oh no like fear and loathing but uh, I'll go first um I probably think it deserves a bit higher than that in my opinion but uh, I'm just trying to work out where to put it. I'm probably going to go 7.7. 7. Okay. <laughs> this is me, like, going, ooh. Um, You're going to give it a 10 or a 1? Uh, I think I'm going to give it an 8. Ooh. It's a bit saucy. I know. I'm going back to being the good cop. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it was... Yeah, I think it was really good filmmaking, and it taught me a lot about it, something that I never knew happened, I don't really know much about, but it was obviously really important. And right now, I feel like I don't want to watch it again, not because it was boring or dull, but just because it handles like the subject matter with such like visceral honesty. But I feel like I might actually end up watching it again. Just I did like, in a weird way, like really enjoy like the atmosphere and I think it just showed everything really well. And the shots were obviously deliberate. Like obviously the three minute cleaner shot was on purpose. Maybe that's like the only criticism I have. And I, it wasn't like I was there screaming at it, going like. <laughs> but yeah, I I really liked it. Um, and I think like all the performances were great, and it just felt like everything was deliberate. That's why I've got it quite high. You know, nothing felt out of place. So yeah, there you go. Screw you. And if you think I rated it too high, screw you. <laughs> I hate you. If you think I rated it too high, I won't watch the Clone Wars. Gonna watch the Clone Wars. <laughs> There you go. Ollie thinks I rated it too low, so it's fine. We That's just why need... I gave it three points lower. <laughs> the lower you do it, the higher Tom will do it. Ooh. Really? I don't think so. Neither do I. <laughs> Is that a conspiracy? <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at... Oh, did I give Blade Runner the lowest? <gasps> what? For dude. <laughs> Wait, so what's the highest thing you've like, rated? Is it, what um... did I give the highest? I gave Being John Malkovich 0.1 more. I gave that an 8.4. That's fair. It's probably be, Being John Malkovich is probably my highest. Yeah, because you gave... I'm thinking... Well, so give it overall, then. Uh, this oh, one. Calculator time. I've got it. It's 7.7. What did you 7. give? 7.5? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what? 7.7. 7. Cringe. At the second seven point seven ever. 
that am I? No way. It's incredible. Is it something that isn't a 7.25? <laughs> One day we'll have something that isn't a 7. Do you know what you you know I what tried. Would be great I tried. I gave it something that wasn't a seven. Come on, guys. He wants so us to close. do a film that isn't a seven. Send us one in. DM us on <gasps> Twitter or Instagram. We use the contacts as form on our website, and we will do your film because no one ever sends us anything, and we're sad. Could <laughs> be worse. Talking of sending us things. <gasps> Submission spotlight. Oh, I'm so proud of <laughs> you. <laughs> the oh, I'm now. so proud of you. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> You're redeeming yourself. Thank you. For your many, many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> You're back to special guest. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. Yes. You need to do it another for two now. weeks for that. You need to come <laughs> full full month of it. Anyway. Okay. Uh, after all that, we don't have anything this week, so if you're a creator or I want your work reviewed, if you do short films, music, stories, books, whatever, we would love to review, and we would also love to have you on the podcast to talk about it, which doesn't have to be live. We can just do a very quick interview with you uh, whenever's most convenient. Um, we'll just go over it, dedicate a 10-minute ten, ten segment to it, give you some constructive criticism to tell you what we liked and uh we'll uh link to your page in the description and stuff just a, a cool way to get to know more uh like indie work that doesn't necessarily have the same platform as lots of other things so we'd love to help you out with that so send it in uh, you can contact us via the contact us form on our website or DM us on Twitter and Instagram. Both are at EOV Podcast. Cool. Next up, we've yep. got recommendations. Time for recommendations. It is time for recommendations. Damn. Probably. Do you want to go first? Me. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched. I'm trying to beat everyone on a watching the most top 250 IMDb films. <laughs> you mean try? You're like 50 films ahead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're uh, like on 96 <laughs> films out of 250. Yeah, no, actually, now I'm on 98, so... I'm <laughs> 52. I'm catching up. Ooh, How do you actually have the time the for all of this? It says the person that watches 50 hours of a TV show in one day. I don't know how you do one it. One day? <laughs> if I could do that, I'd be impressed. No, it was one week. Come on, one film, uh, like every other day, is fine. Uh, anyway, I watched Warrior, which is like an MMA film with Tom Hardy in. And uh, I did think it was like really good. I know a lot of people find it like really emotional, but it didn't hit me as hard as like some other films. And I, to be honest, I thought that like some of the dialogue scenes I didn't care too much for. But when it got to the actual MMA fighting, I was like, oh, this is some high impact stuff like that. They were the most emotional parts. And there's also a lot of like metaphorical stuff to do with Moby Dick and things. And I'm surprised that it seems to be quite overlooked. So, yeah, Warrior is definitely a film worth watching. 
Uh, and I also watched LA Confidential, which uh, was very good. Uh, that's like, follows, it's like 50s LA, and it it's like corruption in the police force and uh, how they like talk to gossip magazines and stuff. It's It's really interesting. And it's got quite a unique style, uh, and yeah, that was that's a really good watch as well. So watch that. And final thing, we were talking about subtitles before. Well, I watched The Hunt, uh, which is I think it's a Denmark film. It's got Mads Nicholson in, and it's basically about um, a guy that gets falsely accused of being a paedophile and like how the townsfolk end up treating him uh, and it's quite like a terrifying film especially if you're a man to think of like what could happen to you if just one person tells a lie uh, so that that is a really good film and has some nice use of a colour palette pretty cool so if you like some colours <laughs> if you like colours watch The Hunt that's it damn if you don't like colours, uh, don't then you it. should probably watch uh, Stalker because wasn't that in black and white? Was Stalker in black so, and white? It would no. It just really. It kind of changed colours. Parts of it was in black and white, but other parts yeah. were in like sort of washed out colour. I think when they were in the zoo and it was in colour, but then. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember now. If you don't like colours, watch Roma. Oh, Schindler's List. Watch the uh, oh. Robot Monster. <gasps> Robot Monster, yeah. He said or Roma. That's like, coming out. Roma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ben. Any other recommendations? No, I don't. You've had your share of Ben recommendations for this month. Oh. No. Damn it. Um, I'm. I've got a recommendation. It's called A Beautiful Mind. And oh. <laughs> what? Top two fifty. Top two fifty yeah. alert. Yeah. Uh, it's basically about a mathematician slash economist called John Nash, who. Well, I, I felt like the first hour was like really fast paced and rushed. Like it seemed to just go through the first I don't know, like 30, 40 years of his life in that space of time but then there's like a twist quite early on where he realised that that's deliberate and there's a, a reason for that. I won't give it away but it's basically exploring, it's less about like obviously the advancements he made in things like game theory and stuff, it's more about his uh, like mental illnesses because he had was schizophrenic and like the impact that that has on his relationship and just his life in general and it's definitely quite an emotional film it basically goes through his whole life so it like ends well it came out i think he only died in 2015 so uh like the ending is when he's an old man uh but yes yeah, i can definitely see why it's highly rated because it does do some really original concepts which have been repeated since, but um it yeah, it's really good. Groovy. Cool. I also watched a few more on the top <gasps> two fifty. 
What, what else did you watch? Terminator. Oh yeah. And I watched Spirited Away as well, which was cool. Oh yeah, I forgot you watched that. A past recommendation. Wow. Yeah. I still wow. need to watch Spirited Away. You do? I need to watch a lot of the stuff on the top it's... 250. Well, <laughs> you you've do. now got four more things you need to watch. Well, <laughs> tell you what. Whoever has the most of the films watched in the top 250 by episode 50 gets some sort of undecided <laughs> prize. <laughs> do you really want to do that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. <laughs> How about the most new films? <gasps> what? What? <laughs> How? No, I, no. I'm too scared that Ollie will beat me. What do you win? Some undecided prize. Ooh. A pat on the back. Socially distanced, <gasps> of course. Yes! Social distance pat on the back. <laughs> Please. Sounds good. You get a slender man to take you. <gasps> take me slender man. Hmm. For any reason you're listening to this episode, maybe you should go to entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com slash bonjour. There's <laughs> a little thank you gift for listening this far into the episode. <laughs> yeah. You'll like what you see. And with that, let's uh, close it up. <laughs> 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 That's how we're finishing this off. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Oh, All right. See. Let's see what we're. No, Ben. Oh no! Oh no! I'm as bad as Tom. <sighs> how day. Can't believe myself. So next week, we are going to be watching Room. <gasps> the Room. It's nice. in the top two fifty. <laughs> Whoa. The room. the room from twenty fifteen. Not the Tommy Wiseau one. Yeah. The joke. No, this is just room. Oh yeah. A room. Is, is this like um a parody of the room? No. <laughs> no. It's got nothing to do with the room. <laughs> That's so sad. Apart from its name. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. And Alright, see ya. See ya. Alright, see ya. Yeah, that's it.